Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Acts. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. When they get this word from the Lord that Barnabas and Saul are to be commissioned by God and sent out, that they simply resort to something very natural. Where should we go? Barnabas is like, well, I grew up on Cyprus. That's kind of my hometown, my home country. Why don't we go to Cyprus? It's a beautiful boat ride there. It's in the Mediterranean. What could go wrong? And so that's the way they start. So sometimes we have to think to ourselves, don't always over-spiritualize stuff. Sometimes when God is directing you and leading you, he will direct you in very natural ways. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Acts. Have you ever felt like God is directing you to do something, but you don't know what it is? Maybe you are supposed to start a new job or stay at your current one. Just do it differently. You may feel God has called you to move, but does that mean literally or figuratively? Well, in today's message, Pastor Gary explains, when you feel God directing you, you don't need to overthink it. Just do what you feel is natural or what comes easiest. There is no need to over-spiritualize it. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Acts chapter 12 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. King Herod is a politician, all right? He's, I mean, he's not elected. He's appointed by the Roman government. But nevertheless, he's in a political role, okay? Don't think that the politician is the answer to your problems. Herod was not the answer to their problems. God is the answer to our problems, And we got to be very careful. We need to be involved in the political process and vote your values and all that good stuff. You know I'm a big promoter of that. But I don't care who's in the White House. You better make sure you understand who's on the throne. Because we can vote for people all day long. Our hope is not in our politicians. Our hope is in the Lord. And these people, you know, they put their hope in the politician, and the politician failed them, and God killed the guy because he touched the glory. But let's always remember, don't look to the political figures like they are our God. Okay, only the Lord is on the throne and he is our hope. Well, the rest of verse 12 says this in verse 24, but the word of God continued to increase and spread. That's a good thing, despite what Herod tried to do to circumvent that. uh, The word of God continued to increase and spread. He's dead now. And then verse 25 says, and when Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now we come into chapter 13 here, and chapter 13 begins what is commonly referred to as the first missionary journey of 
Paul's. Paul is going to take three, some say four, missionary journeys where he's going to travel around uh, much of Europe, primarily Turkey, if you look on a modern map, and he's going to encourage the church, and he's going to plant churches, and he's going to uh, go about on these missionary journeys. Uh, and, and it starts here in chapter 13. All of chapter 13 and 14 detail the first missionary journey of uh, uh, Saul, otherwise known as Paul. We're going to see his name gets changed here in chapter 13. He is going to be accompanied here by Barnabas and also John, who is called Mark, John Mark. Now, John Mark is the same Mark who will later, about 20-some years later, write the Gospel of Mark. So that's John Mark here. John Mark, when he writes the Gospel of Mark, refers to himself in this veiled way at the end of his Gospel about how he was present at the time that Jesus was arrested, and he refers to himself as a young man, and it is believed that, that John Mark was about 12 years of age at the time that Jesus was arrested. He was not one of Jesus's 12 disciples, but he was nevertheless a follower, and you see him in the garden when Jesus is arrested and he flees, and they try to grab him, and he makes this reference about how, and he, and he uses the third person. He says, there was a young man, but we all know he's referring to himself, and he says, and he, and he left his garment, you know, because it was taken from him as they tried to pull him in among those that they were arresting, and he said, and he fled naked. So, so that's, that's his commentary on himself. I'm the naked, unnamed kid at the end of my Gospel of Mark, but he was believed to be about 12 years of age. Now here in, uh, in Acts 13, he's about 20 6, 27, 28. This is now about 48 AD. John Mark would have been born about 20 AD if he was about 12 at the time of Jesus' arrest in 32, 33 AD. So he's now about 26, 27, 28. And um, uh, Paul is a bit older than he is. And he's going, the three of them are going to travel here to try to um, share the gospel and to encourage uh, Christians uh, who have been scattered now uh, around the, the known world of Asia Minor at the time. So this is the first missionary journey. Now in chapter 13, verse 1, it gives us the geography in the church at Antioch. Technically speaking, today it would actually be in Turkey, but in the Bible it was referred to as Antioch of Syria. And there is a large Christian community there. In fact, we read last week from chapter 11 that this is where uh, Christians were, were first called uh, Christians at Antioch. And so this place is a large Christian community. And uh, this is where they are going to begin their missionary journey. And they're going to begin it under these conditions. Look here, verse 1. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, this is that same Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Uh, now that is one of Herod the Great's sons. That's the guy that had John the Baptist beheaded. It's a different Herod. And Saul. And while, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And so after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So this is the first kind of great commissioning of the first missionaries. Uh, it begins here at the church of Antioch, and it talks about how there were prophets and teachers, and that the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work that, I, that I've called them to. Now, 
How is it that the Holy Spirit said this? Where they gathered together, it says that they're worshiping the Lord and they're fasting. So they're having kind of a, a prayer and praise meeting. And as they're worshiping, and as they're fasting and praying, the Holy Spirit said, it is, it is possible it was an audible voice, but it is more likely that it was the voice of the Holy Spirit that was spoken through a vessel, through a person. It says here there were prophets and teachers. So it is likely that someone had a prophetic word or a word of knowledge from the Holy Spirit that simply then announced to the church there at Antioch that, that the Holy Spirit wants to set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work that he's called them to, and they were going to send them out. So as they prepared to send out Barnabas and Saul, they lay hands on them. They pray over them. They commission them, and they send them off. Now, it's interesting that in the commissioning here, there's no specific direction. The Holy Spirit does not give any more information. Where are they supposed to go? That had to have been a question. Okay, Lord, we're set apart. Where do you want us to go? And I want you to know, first place they go. Look at after verse 3. There's a subtitle in my Bible. It says, on Cyprus. Cyprus is going to be the first place they go. Now, Cyprus is an island here in the middle of the Mediterranean. But the Holy Spirit didn't say go to Cyprus. So how is it that they're going to be led to Cyprus? And here's what we need to understand. Sometimes we over-spiritualize stuff. It tells us back in Acts chapter 4 that Barnabas was born and raised on the island of Cyprus. That's where he's from. And so sometimes if you feel like you get a partial word or direction from the Lord, you don't necessarily have to over-spiritualize it. It seems that what is happening here is that when they get this word from the Lord that Barnabas and Saul are to be commissioned by God and sent out, that they simply resort to something very natural. Where should we go? Barnabas is like, well, I grew up on Cyprus. That's kind of my hometown, my home country. Why don't we go to Cyprus? It's a beautiful boat ride there. It's in the Mediterranean. What could go wrong? And so that's the way they start. So sometimes we have to think to ourselves, don't always over-spiritualize stuff. Sometimes when God is directing you and leading you, he will direct you in very natural ways. Sometimes you, you you, you might feel like, there's a, a move on the horizon in your life. You're like, where should we move to? I wonder where God wants us to go. I'm just feeling this nagging sense that we're supposed to move. And, but you don't do anything about it. And then all of a sudden, you, you get laid off from your job. Oh, God's kind of moving us along. Well, where should we go now? I don't have another job lined up. I don't know where to go. And sometimes it's just the most natural thing. And so what they're doing here seems to be a very natural thing. Let's go to someplace maybe that is familiar. Let's go to someplace that we already know. And they want to reach out to his own country, his own uh, familiar people, and they're going to first go to Cyprus. So verse 4 says, The two of them, sent on their way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia. That's a tiny city there next to Antioch, so it's the port city on the Mediterranean. And they sailed from there to Cyprus. And when they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. Okay, so they're going to sail from Seleucus to the island of Cyprus, and they come to Salamis, which is a city on the northern part of the island, and that's where they disembark, and they they first go to a Jewish synagogue. So it tells us right here that there's a contingency of Jewish people in Cyprus, And they go right to the Jewish synagogue and they proclaim the word of God. Because these guys are Jews, and so they're going to fit right in. They're going to go to the Jewish people that they are familiar with. And then it adds, again, that John was with them as their helper. 
Verse 6 says that they traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos. So Paphos is in the southern part of the island of Cyprus. The island of Cyprus from north to south is about 75 miles. So they're, they're, they're traveling across the whole length of the island of Cyprus until they get to Paphos, which is down in the southern part. And it says, and there they met a Jewish sorcerer. That's not a good thing. And false prophet named Bar-Jesus who was an attendant of the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. You know, Sergius Paulus is a Roman official here. He's a proconsul. A proconsul was someone who uh, ruled over an entire province, and this province is the island of Cyprus. So Sergius Paulus is a pretty, you know, big deal. He's an official of the the Roman Empire, ruling over the island of Cyprus. And uh, they come here to this town, uh, and, they, and they encounter this Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now, Bar means son, so son of Jesus. So this guy, you know, is a sorcerer, and, and he calls himself son of Jesus. He's using, de- the, the word sorcerer implies there's demonic stuff here going on, okay? This is not just sleight of hand. This is demonic. He's evil. And he's an attendant to this official, Sergius Paulus. And the proconsul, it says, the proconsul, an intelligent man but not smart enough to see that one of his officials is a demonic guy. But he's an intelligent man. He sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear the word of God. Now notice, apparently, their ministry is starting to, you know, word of mouth is traveling. And Sergius Paulus, this Roman official, hears about the Bible's being taught, and these guys are teaching scripture, so they want to hear the word of God. Verse 8, but Elimas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means... Literally in the Greek, it's Elumas. Elumas means sorcerer. So he goes by Elumas or Bar-Jesus. Take your pick. But Elumas, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, opposed them, of course he did, and tried to turn the proconsul from the faith. So you have to imagine that there's this encounter here. So Barnabas and Saul go, and um, they, they now are sharing the word of God with Sergius Paulus, and he's listening, and, and apparently the sorcerer guy can see that Sergius Paulus' heart is turning towards the Lord, and so he tries to talk him out of it. You shouldn't believe this, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so he's doing his demonic thing there. And verse 9, you got to love this now, verse 9, Saul here, he doesn't hold back any punches. So look at what it says, verse 9. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, circle that, we'll come back to that in a minute. Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimas and said... You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? Now the hand of the Lord is against you. You are going to be blind, and for a time you will be unable to see the light of the sun. Wow, this is the first time that we hear Paul speak here since his ministry has begun. Now, before we comment on what he says, notice that his name transitions from Saul to Paul. And the only reason is because he he wants to now be relatable to to his Gentile, to the Greek world. And so that's where God is going to call him primarily. He's going to go first to the Jew, but he already has street creds with the Jew because he was born and raised a Jew, and he studied under Gamaliel, the great rabbi. So they already respect him. But the Gentiles don't really have any respect for him, so he's going to use a name that is relatable. It's like if your name is Peter and you get called to minister in France, you might then become Pierre. You know, And so, and so that's, that's just what it is. It's like Saul is like, I'm going to be Paul now. Not with a French accent, but I'm going to be Paul. <laughs> 
And so that's what he becomes. And he just hits hard with Elimas. You know, you're, you're demonic. I mean, this isn't, this isn't, you know, gentle, meek and mild, you know, Christian Paul. This is, this is like in your face. I'm going to just tell it like it is. You're demonic. You are filled with evil. You have evil intent and you're going to be made blind. And boom, the guy's made blind. Now it doesn't tell us, you know, how it all works out. But it does say that for a while, for a time, you will be unable to see the light of the sun. So we have to assume that he gets his sight back at some point. Immediately, it says, mist and darkness came over him, and he groped about, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. When the proconsul saw what had happened, he believed, Now I want you to notice the rest, for he was amazed at the teaching about the Lord. Now, why do I emphasize that? Because it doesn't say he was amazed at what happened to Elimas. He wasn't amazed at the demonstration of power. He was amazed at something even more powerful than that. He was amazed at the Word of God. It is the Word of God that is powerful and effective to change the human heart. Signs and wonders accompany, and I praise God that he still, as he chooses, will still reveal himself in powerful and wonderful ways. But the church better not seek power. Let God determine when he wants to assign that and display that. But the church had better understand that the power is in the word of God. It is, it is faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by, by seeing a lot of miraculous stuff. And some people, some people get preoccupied with, with all the display of power instead of understanding that the real power is in the word of God which changes the human heart. And Sergius Paulus here was, was not as impressed by what happened to Elimas as he was about the Word of God. It's the teaching of the Lord that amazed him. And so he becomes a convert here. He becomes Paul's first convert. Now, Paul's just the vessel. It's the Lord who converts the, the human heart. But this is the first person who's responded to the ministry of Paul. And from this point on, in the rest of the Bible... Saul will be known now as Paul. That's how he will be referred to throughout the rest of the Bible. In fact, it, it goes on to say here in verse 13, from Paphos, Paul and his companions sailed to Perga in Pamphylia, where John left them to return to Jerusalem. So I'm not sure why John just didn't leave from Cyprus, why they had to sail the rest of the Mediterranean to get up there to Perga and then and then John Mark says, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and take off. He's, John Mark's going to prove to be a source of contention between Barnabas and Paul. They're going to have a little, a little uh, fight over, over whether or not John Mark should, should really be um, with them or not. John Mark was a relative of Barnabas. NIV says um, a relative, and I think the King James says cousin. We don't know exactly how he's related. But they go on up now to, to Perga in Pamphylia. So now we're, we're up into Turkey at this point. And uh, from Perga, verse 14, they went on to Pisidian Antioch. So they go up further into the interior, Pisidian Antioch. And on the Sabbath, they entered the synagogue and sat down. After reading from the law and the prophets, the synagogue rulers sent word to them saying, Brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. So the people could tell, these are some new people who come to our church. Why, why don't you guys, if you have anything to share, why don't you get up and share? And so Paul gets up. Now, from verse 16 down through verse 41, we have Paul's first recorded sermon. Right here, from verse 16 down through verse 41, Paul's first recorded sermon. So let me just read through this. 
Verse 16, standing up, Paul motioned with his hand and said, men of Israel and you Gentiles who worship God, listen to me. So apparently there were some Gentiles who were there at the synagogue. They're interested. They're curious. The God of the people of Israel chose our fathers. He made the people prosper during their stay in Egypt. With mighty power, he led them out of that country. He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. He overthrew seven nations in Canaan and gave their land to his people as their inheritance. All this took about 450 years, okay, give or take. About 400 years they spent as slaves in Egypt, about 40 years wandering in the wilderness, and about another 10 years Joshua dividing up the promised land. So about 450 years. So, so Paul's just kind of recapping their own Jewish history and also for the benefit of the Gentiles. And he says, after this, God gave them judges until the time of Samuel, Samuel the prophet. Verse 21, and then the people asked for a king, and he gave them Saul, son of Kish, of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him that I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. From this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior Jesus, as he promised. Before the coming of Jesus, John preached, that's John the Baptist, preached repentance and baptism to all the people of Israel. As John was completing his work, he said, who do you think I am? I am not that one, referring to Messiah, John the Baptist, and he makes that clear. John the Baptist said that he's not not Messiah. He says, no, but he is coming after me whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, children of Abraham, and you God-fearing Gentiles, it is to us that this message of salvation has been sent. The people of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize Jesus, yet in condemning him, they fulfilled the words of the prophets that are read every Sabbath. Though they found no proper ground for a death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him executed. When they had carried out all that was written about him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and, as, and for many days he was seen by those who had traveled with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. They are now his witnesses to our people. We tell you the good news. What God promised to our fathers, he has fulfilled for us, their children, by raising up Jesus. Now, let me pause before I quote what, he, what he's about to quote from the book of Psalms. He's just summarizing Jewish history, but he does it rapidly. He says, you know what? We were slaves. God took us out of slavery, brought us to Israel. We, we, we got judges, and judges were appointed, and then, and then we, were, we got kings, and Saul was the first king, and then Saul was replaced by David. And he goes quickly to the divinic messianic line, because Old Testament scriptures prophesied how Messiah would come from the line of David. So he goes quickly to David and the messianic line. And he says, and from David, eventually came Jesus, the Savior. Now, they're still listening here. They don't have the same reaction. Remember when Stephen started giving this spiel back in chapter 7? They stoned him for death because they got offended by what he said about Jesus being the Messiah, the promised one. So, so far, so good. I mean, they're listening to Paul as he's preaching about this, and Paul's connecting all the dots. He's like, all our Old Testament scripture that pointed to and prophesied about a Messiah, in fact, were all fulfilled in Jesus, and then he preaches about the crucifixion of Jesus. He says, they nailed him to a tree, they took him off the tree, they put him in a tomb. And he says, but God raised this same Jesus from the dead. So he's preaching the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That is the hope of the human race, is the truth about Jesus. And then he quotes here from Psalm, verse 2, he says this, As it is written in the second Psalm, you are my son, today I have become your father. 
Now, I want to pause here and I want to point something out because if you get a knock at your door from some Jehovah's Witnesses, they're going to take you to this verse. So I just want to clarify something, okay? Because Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, by the way, will use this verse right here in your Bibles to tell you that it is evidence that Jesus was created, that he was created. Because Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons do not believe that Jesus is God. Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. What you've heard today is just one message from a series going through the book of Acts. Pastor Gary has provided some insightful information about the early church, and you can't help but be inspired by what you read about as the Christian church was birthed. Who are the people you admire and look to as examples of courage and faith? Is it Peter or maybe James being the first martyr? How about Stephen and the example he set? Or perhaps you're a fan of Aquila and Priscilla, a great model of a couple who followed after Jesus. Then there's the all-famous Apostle Paul, who paved the way for much missionary work to the nations. All of these people were striving to proclaim the good news of the gospel. And we hope your heart is ignited to do the same. You can reach people too, near and far, in your neighborhood, online, and even those across the world. And if you feel the Lord leading you as he did Paul, you may even find yourself following the Lord to witness in another country. In the meantime, you're welcome to listen to more messages from this series in Acts. You can do so by going to cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're so glad you've tuned in today to Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know